Hey, y'all, what is up? This is Positively Cynical, and I am losing my voice. I am Jose, and I am here with my friend. Say hello, friend. What's up, everyone? Question here. How you doing, Jose? Uh, I am, I'm doing pretty well today. I'm fucking exhausted. Uh, from, I mean, fault of my own, essentially, either partying too hard or just not getting enough sleep. I mean, uh, I actually went to a concert earlier this week. I didn't tell you. I, I got some impromptu tickets uh, from a friend, and I saw Foo Fighters over at Coney Island. So that was the first concert I've been to in many, many years, and the largest uh, COVID event I've been to, I guess, the largest post-age of COVID event that I've been to. And then, of course, you and I went to go see uh, Shang-Chi uh, out in Westbury last night. And, uh, I mean, you know, we don't live in Westbury, so we got home kind of late. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I am doing pretty okay. I'm doing well other than the fact that my energy is going to be semi low. What about you? What's up with you question? I'm fine. Um, you just fine. Yeah, I guess. Um, I guess a little tired from yesterday, but. Can't complain. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not early right now as we record, but, I, you, you know, I have the whole routine. I get up in the morning, I take my dog to the park, have him run around for off leash hours for a little bit. So got up nice and early and let the let Ophi run around like a little psycho for a little bit, as usual. So that drained me a little bit, but, you know, it is what it is. It's a beautiful day here in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, real quick. Let's get to the uh, the spiel for the podcast. We are recording remotely, so if there are any sound issues or artifacts, y'all know what to do. Slide up in the DMs on all of our social media platforms. You can find all of our information by hashtagging Positively Cynical. You can find us on all your social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and now TikTok. You can find us Positively Cynical. Search us out. Uh, we don't really have much on TikTok yet, but we have a TikTok, so... Check it out. And the best way to support all these social media platforms is to like, rate, share, subscribe, comment, follow on any of our social media posts. Check us out on Apple Podcasts. Check us out on your favorite podcast platforms and especially on Apple Podcasts. Please rate, review, let people know how much you're enjoying this podcast where we talk a lot of shit. And boy, today have we got some shit to talk about, don't we? We got some shit to talk about today, question. Yeah. Um, I'm just, uh, trying to look at some stuff real quick, but, uh, he said that, uh, he wanted to talk about a new fearless leader, right? So this is the Joe Biden portion <laughs> of our podcast. Yes. Today. Yeah, that's right. As question mentioned today, we're going to talk about Joe Biden, but like I, I say, you know, we, I want to tackle the administration in general, how we feel about the administration, how we felt about the administration. We had our own feelings before the election that we probably have not entirely shared on the podcast uh, about Biden, about Kamala Harris. Um, so we're going to talk about the administration, Biden, Kamala Harris, their handling of certain things so far, our report card, I guess, so to speak. Um, 
the nation's perception of Joe Biden, um, you know, the bipartisan hellscape that we live in, notwithstanding how people feel about Mr. Joe Biden so far. So let's jump right into it. Today, it is September 18th as we record this, September 18th, 2021. Uh, and Joe Biden has been president since January 20th. So what are we looking at right now? We've been uh, about um, eight months or about so. eight months, give or take. About eight ish. months into his uh, presidency. We're about to hit the 20th, right? We're just two days, two days shy of September 20th. So we're about eight months into his presidency, the 46th president of the United States. And, I mean, Joe Biden's struggling, I think, right now. I mean... Specifically, I'm talking about his his perception, his poll numbers, how people are seeing his performance so far. Isn't that right question? Like, what have you seen in the last couple of days? What have you seen on the news media programs? What have you seen in your in your research? Checking out articles out there. What's going on with Joe Biden and his approval numbers in America? I don't know if it's really so much just the past couple of days. It's been away. Right, right. I'd say the past couple of weeks, ever since the Afghanistan thing, which I'm sure we'll get into, uh, but that didn't really help his case. I don't want to say an already... <laughs> Let's start off this way. There's an article I sent you not too long ago mm-hmm. uh, where essentially you see more about doom and gloom uh, for this administration. Uh, there are articles that you see not just over the past couple of days, but again in the past few weeks where they just mention basically the list of problems that seems to be growing uh, that this administration has on its, uh, on its, uh, I guess in its plate, you can say it for lack of a better word, uh, between Afghanistan, infrastructure, coronavirus, jobs the economy uh there are a couple of different factors where immigration right we got some yeah oh that's right immigration he seems to have his numbers starting to go underwater i don't know if it's more perception versus reality i don't know if it's more legitimacy versus illegitimacy if it's presidency and perception that way well the, but the most recent poll that i saw uh well i mean one of the more recent polls that i saw said that eight and ten republicans don't believe that uh that joe biden is the legitimate president of the united states so that doesn't really help approval that, ratings much does it right no i mean that 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 takes out i mean mathematically Roughly speaking, like you're not going to get over a 60% approval rating no matter what, right? Not when you're starting with half the population. That doesn't believe you're Essentially, yeah, it delegitimizes you from minute one. Right. So 60% is the absolute ceiling. I mean, mathematically, it would probably be a little bit lower than that if you. I was going to say probably not even 60, right? Probably I mean, if, every, if everybody that voted for him and everybody that believes he is president were to approve of him, basically. That's the ceiling. And obviously that's not going to happen. So that's a bad place to start. But yeah, he's been handling a lot of of serious issues, some of which he inherited, some of which he created, some of which it's questionable which of the two you could kind of place that issue under, whether it's something he created, inherited, or a little bit of both. So boy, been struggling a little bit recently. Well, that, that that's... 
I think for a lot of it, it's been a crutch for him as well as an excuse. Well, what has been? A but crutch? it's also been as far as I guess I should clarify the what was inherited versus what he caused. Uh, we, had a, we had a long four years under the last president, as we've discussed ad nauseum mm-hmm. prior to this episode. A lot of times when you see Biden, he describes things in the context of, well, I have to essentially clean it up because the last administration, administration screwed it up. So I think in his mind, he's starting from a position of weakness. So it's like a, uh, it's like going to be four years of calm, man. Like, yes. In essence. Yeah. But a lot of it, don't you think is him just tiptoeing and treading lightly because he knows the hand he's been dealt as far as the claims of legitimacy, uh, how certain things that he would want to mandate may not go over. I know we're jumping around a lot, but he's tiptoeing around a lot of things because he knows well, like, that like his what? popularity like, is tenuous. Well, I'm like, what, okay, what is a good, good example in, in your mind of something that he's tiptoeing around like a third rail issue as a result of the way politics are in terms of partisanship right now and whatever, else, whatever other context you're trying to talk about. Like, give me an example. Well, I, I guess we can jump around. Uh, the one thing that comes to mind is uh, his handling of the virus and mandates, mass mandates, et cetera, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Okay. Um, for the longest, he's been somewhat apprehensive about officially saying there's a federal mandate for everything that's not on federal ground, let's just say. He's done it for uh, federal buildings. Federal employees uh, already had a, a Federal mandate, employees right? have. Yeah, but it wasn't something that he did immediately. Right. I think he's just been more aggressive fairly recently about trying to push for more aggressive policies when it comes to governors trying to strengthen what he's trying to do. Well, wait, uh, to, to clarify, right? Like the most, the federal, there was a federal employee mandate yes. a little while. And then the most recent mandate is for any, like even public employees, uh, or private, private employees, I should say. He expanded it to private those employers who essentially do business with. A hundred or less or a hundred or more or something like that, right? What are, what are the guidelines? Well, I know that he, part of for, the. Yeah, go ahead. I'm going to say part of the guidelines uh, are, I just ran out of my head. Uh, if you're doing business with the federal government, you also have to be uh, vaccinated at this point, which essentially right, opens right, up. Right, but there was a mask mandate that he recently passed. Well, there was a mask mandate for those. I think it's just limited to those on federal grounds. I'm not sure if it's expanded anymore. I mean, Recent, he has. No, recently. All right. We got to clarify this because that's not what I what I understand. I believe recently. And I, that's why I'm going to say, like, in essence, this one's going to get challenged because there there's a I from what I understand, he created or he has advised a mandate for all companies, not just federal employees, not just public employees, but private employees as well. Well, I, 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 well he's I don't know if he can really force a private company to get mandates. I think you can strongly suggest. And again, if you're doing business with the federal government, that's pretty much what he's mandated. If you want to do business with me, you got to be vaccinated. Okay. I was going to say, which essentially trickles, I guess, to 
but that, that that trickles to private companies one way or the other. I know that's something can he can't to force. a whole bunch of tri- private companies. No, but it's a, it's well, he can again if you're doing business with him. States but, can enforce mandates of that of that kind, but the federal government cannot. Yeah, well, that's why, and that's another problem he's had. Him butting heads with a lot of these governors, where he tries to again strongly suggest that they follow certain rules and guidelines, and. There are some governors that have pushed back and have challenged him and have gone to court in order to get their point heard. Uh, a few come to mind. Uh, governors DeSantis and Abbott, for example, yeah. are pretty much the two biggest ones. But, yeah, there's a difference between federal and the state as far as look, there's but so much Biden can do. Right. Okay. And I think that there is a lot you're going to hear me probably say about that for the majority of this podcast not to say that he can't do anything There's but so much he can do it's gonna be the time but I, it, it, it takes more than one person to do stuff right right yeah no you, you're correct i mean i was even gonna say like i it had totally been unclear because some of the articles that i read i think were a little unclear maybe i've just been so fucking exhausted that i was unclear on what the mandate is but it is for federal employees because I, I was even gonna make the point like there's no way that that's not gonna get challenged in court if he were trying to do that for private employers. But to clarify as well, mask mandates and certain types of mandates are legal on the state level because of a Supreme Court decision from about 100 years ago, um, again, in the midst of a pandemic. So there is that precedent as well. Uh, I feel like, you know, the mask mandates and all that, something that he's been tiptoeing around for sure. I mean, you're right, he's been tiptoeing around a lot of issues. But it's been more so ever since like Afghanistan kind of brought, I guess, his failures, quote unquote, into focus. I think that that's something that kind of was a a centering event that has made people kind of question Biden. And indeed, his approval ratings have kind of plummeted ever since Afghanistan a couple of weeks ago. The withdrawal began um, not too long ago. And I would say that's something else. I mean, I think a lot of it is just. It's you know when you have a president, you're bound to have bad things happen over the course of a four year term. And if it's an eight year term, probably more bad things will happen. I think a lot of it, as you mentioned, is perception. But when you have a lot of bad things happen all at the same time while there are other bad things happening, that also doesn't help your case. Again, he's dealing with the virus. He's dealing with the pandemic. All the issues and concerns that have stemmed from that from, yes, before his time. But when you throw the economy, when you throw Afghanistan on top of that, and when you run as the guy who can fix these things, and you're the experienced, most competent person in the room. All right, so how has he handled COVID then, in your mind? So keep in mind that one of the promises that he made for for covid one of his covid promises i guess as when he was running for president is that we'd ha- he would have 100 million vaccinate 100 million vaccinated americans um and i think we're at about 200 million right now so yeah. that's the situation with that but we still have things like the delta variant and we have places where the coronavirus and the covid-19 is kind of spiking right now so what do you think about how he's kind of handled that so far since he's been president? Well, a part of it is <sighs> some of these things are self-inflicted. 
right? There were certain guidelines that he set for himself for dates. He wanted Americans to be at 70% fully vaccinated by July 4th, Independence Day. That was one date that he had put out there symbolically. I think he's come fairly close, but I don't think we've reached I don't think we've reached the seventy percent threshold, right? I don't think that was a promise he made so much as a goal he wanted Americans to kind of strive for recently and kind of pleading for them to get vaccinated. When you put a date on something as a politician, whether it's a promise or a goal, it's something that people remember. That's a date he put out there for a reason. And success or failure, people can remember that. So if that was something that he was aiming for as a date, he failed. Perception, not very good. Mm-hmm. You throw, again, mass mandates on top of that or the want to have mandates. Um, it's getting to the point in this country where, yeah, there's a frustration between those that are fully vaccinated and those that refuse to get vaccinated. One could make the argument that a big reason as to why this country, as far as I keep, I keep on using this word perception, why people, a lot of people feel that this country isn't going in the right direction has to do with the virus. Don't you think that if we stem and control how this pandemic goes, that can kind of unlock the door to most other things. There's certain reasons why there are mandates in place because we have a freaking pandemic going on. I understand why he's doing some you know, some of these things, and it makes a lot of sense. This has become political, though, as evidenced by what happened a few days ago in California. Gavin Newsom ran for, had a recall election, and he won overwhelmingly. And the thought is because of his handling on the coronavirus. California's been a little more aggressive on their policies, and seemingly Newsom was rewarded for that a few days ago. Right. There um, were a lot of issues be... in California with the with budget deficits, although it ended up being a surplus well, recently. Well, California is kind of a microcosm with, of what's uh, going on nationally. Well, with homelessness and the wildfires, that was a little more specific to that region, I think. Well, yeah, there are certain people... things that are exclusive to California, and California, granted, yes, is overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly democratic. But it's not to say that they don't have the same issues and concerns that other people around the country do. Again, this was seemingly more a referendum on yes, Gavin Newsom and his policies, most notably for Corona. Um, And I think that a lot of that gave cover to Biden for the future and to what he can potentially do and how aggressive he can be. He went out to California, Kamala went out to California uh, over the past week, basically saying that a vote for... She appeared somewhere? Well, she was in California. She's from California. No, I, I know. She went to California with Newsom to uh, to an event, then basically saying, hey, Democrats, vote no on the recall for these reasons, because according to them, basically, we're all going to die if Larry Elder became governor. Okay, but like I'm, I'm asking specifically more so like how you feel beyond the perception, how you feel he's handled the COVID-19 pandemic so far. Joe Biden, like what he's done, how I feel how successful he's been, the outcome, what he has to do with the outcome and like what what like other factors have to do with the outcome that we're in now. Well, I see all that to say, again, that it takes more than one person to get stuff done. He can only nudge people, but so much 
if you don't want to do it, well, what are you going to do? Force you to take a shot? I, he's to me in this instance, if short of more or less again grabbing your arm and sticking a needle in it, he's what more can he do? I understand as you know, getting vaccinated is a personal choice. I've had some reservations in the past about the vaccine. I've more or less come around on that. But look, if you want to take it, it's on you. I strongly suggest you do. But again, what's he going to do? Force people to take the shot? He can. He wants them to. I mean, that's the messaging all is, can, is but semi-aggressive. All he can do is suggest. He can, all he can do is strongly suggest. I, I mean, bottom line, yeah, when it comes to it, if you don't want to take the shot, you're not taking the shot. I mean, I think he's doing the best he can given the cards he was dealt, no? Do you think that gets anywhere? Do you think it gets anywhere at this point for him to continue to to ask people to get vaccinated, to ask people to mask up in certain situations? Do you think that that's actually something that is beneficial for him to push on that? Well, again, short of forcing people, all he's got is asking people, right? I mean, <laughs> there's not much else he has as far as tools in the toolbox Besides saying, yeah, come on, man, get the shot. Come on, man, get the shot. He's doing everything he can in order to essentially force people's hands. Again, he's saying if you want to do business with the federal government, well, you have to you have to get vaccinated. You have to mask up. He's trying. Well, should he be doing more to well, address? What, what can he do? Well, he, should he be doing more to address shortages that are occurring in hospitals right now during the current surge? You have hospitals that are that are. Having issues, there was someone, I believe, in Alabama recently that had to go to the hospital for a completely unrelated to COVID incident. Oh, yeah, I read that article, yeah. Went to about I think he was having a heart attack or something, yeah. Well, he went to 43 different hospitals, had to go out of state, and eventually he just passed away before he was able to make, make it to a hospital. They were all completely full because of COVID. And, I mean, you you could make the point. I mean, the point that you're you're semi trying to make, and I understand it, is that like in a lot of cases, yeah, these motherfuckers have brought it on themselves. They're yes. not paying attention to vaccination. They're not they're not masking up in certain situations if they're not vaccinated or if it's indoors for very very long periods of time. But should he not still be doing more? Isn't that something that people complained about in regards to Trump not doing enough for certain states in terms of ventilators, in terms of resources, in terms of getting them hospital beds and, and things of that nature? Because I think he could do more. <laughs> I think you could do more there. I think, like what? Provide those resources. Yeah, I think but we're still I, in an emergency. We're still in a pandemic. I think that at this point, it's it's easy to to, to say like you can, especially when you're bringing troops home. You you want to say like, all right, this is an emergency. We have to contract certain companies, certain branches of the military, and we have to send resources to the states that need them. Set up field hospitals, the way that that was done in New York City. I mean, that's something that that I think he should be doing. I think it's the smart thing to do. I think it's the best thing to do because if you control the pandemic in these states where things are getting out of control and people can go to hospitals if they get sick, then that makes it better for everybody. That's the reason why the fucking thing won't go away because nobody got vaccinated enough and now we have variants and now that shit just seeps out and turns into a new fucking variant. So we can't keep up with vaccinations. Well, do do, do these states want that help? Do you think it DeSantis? I don't know. Well, well, Again, I keep on saying this. It, it takes two to tango. Honestly, granted, he can say, hey, Ron DeSantis, I'm ordering you or I'm giving you these field hospitals. Take them. You think this? Come on now. You think DeSantis is going to say, oh, hey, thanks, Joe. Especially when he's can got a re-election no? coming up. He, can he say no? 
I, well, I, the state, I, I would assume. Look, I would assume the, the state has to have but some, have but so much power. The federal government can't just wallop and knock you over the head for everything. I don't think that I don't think Biden can go in there and say I'm ordering you, I'm forcing you to. He might be able to, but again, DeSantis or any other governor can sue. That's what they've been doing. For sending them to send, so if he sends the military down there and he sends resources and money down there in order to help control the pandemic. He's DeSantis has rejected that already. You think that he's he's rejected money? No, outright already for. But that's what he's doing now. If he's basically saying, "I don't, I don't stay out of my business," federal government, he doesn't want Biden's help. But has he he specifically said like, "No, I don't want your money and your resources," or is he more saying like, "No, I don't want your mandates and your ideas about what my citizens should do"? Well, I mean, I feel like it's more him like posturing in terms of mask mandates and like. You know, school children and vaccine mandates and whatever else. It, that's more the posturing he's doing. He's not doing any kind of posturing in terms of like, don't send me any fucking money. Like, go fuck yourself. I haven't heard anything like that. Have you? Well, I I, I haven't. But again, I don't know if he'd take it if you're offering. Okay, but that's that's not my point. My point is that I think that he should be well, doing more to offer that that assistance to the states that need it. Again, you can only force someone but to do so much. Uh, we're going in circles. I mean, regardless, yeah, yeah. I think that he should still be doing more. That's my opinion. Okay. You can argue on the opposite side of that, that like, oh, there's only so much he can do. Like, well, put it out there. I mean, what the hell's the difference when you're like kind of just messaging this, get a vaccine, get a vaccine, get a vaccine. Ain't nobody going to do that shit either just because he says it, but he's still saying it. So why not just try with this? I think that that's, that's a misstep because the more that he does, the more that he's kind of like, the more situations where he can say to a state like Alabama or somewhere else, like, you need you should take these resources and they say yes even if only half of these fucking states do it that's still something that goes towards controlling the pandemic and they can say whatever the hell they want in terms of mass mandates and all this other shit it still is putting a dent in the problem so i think you should be doing more i really all right. think all that. i'm all i'm saying is in certain parts of this country i get it even agree with point. the opposite side you already made that I, point I, okay so let's i kind of wanted to make another point in regards to kamala harris cuz you mentioned her being in california Stumping for Newsom, Biden being in California, stumping for Newsom in regards to how he handled the COVID-19 in California and how that people are are perceiving that the hell put him over the edge in the recall election over, well, everybody, but specifically over Larry Elder, who was the front runner and I think won the the second question in the recall vote. The thing, the thing about me for Kamala Harris is like, we're, I'm going to get into maybe expectation. We'll kind of start here and then we can maybe move back to some of the issues that Biden has been dealing with. But expectation in regards to what we expected out of Biden, what we expected out of Kamala Harris. And I think that's something that has been very, very disappointing so far. I'm not sure who's made this decision, uh, really. But I, I mean, I, Kamala Harris has not been visible at all, in my opinion. Do you disagree with that? I feel like I don't really see her anywhere unless it's in fucking California or like this one visit that she apparently made to the border uh, not too long ago. What do you think about that? Well, that was something I was about to mention. Uh, she's kind of conspicuous by her non-visibility nowadays. I haven't really seen much of her either, and I was scratching my head about that. I'm sure she's busy. I'm sure she has things to do. They have her handling immigration, among other high-profile issues. But if the whole point is to say that you're working as a team 
and she's handling these high profile issues. Be nice to see a little bit. Um, I, 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 I really can't say that she's doing a good job or a bad job. I don't know what she's doing. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I kind of wish I knew a little bit more about her whereabouts and what she's been up to. It seems as if ever since she went to Latin America to have these conversations about immigration, that's kind of the last you heard about her. I haven't really heard much about her and what she's been up to for the past few months. Have you? I not really at all. Yeah. I mean, she's not been very visible. And the reason I mentioned expectation is that a lot of what we talked about in terms of our reasoning for voting for somebody like Joe Biden, full disclosure, I voted for Joe Biden. You could admit whoever the hell you voted for, if you'd like to or not, I voted for Biden and Harris. And surely part of the reasoning is that Donald Trump was so like stunningly incompetent that having him for president for another four years, regardless of all of the issues that we're currently going through, I can't really imagine what will be going on if we had Donald Trump handling a withdrawal from Afghanistan. If we had Donald Trump yet again posturing about another crisis on the border, and I want to get to that definitely because that one, that one go, speaks to your point uh, in a sense regarding how much a politician can do to to help out a situation. But one of the expectations that we had is that we we understood, and this will be this will be taken as a as a sign of of our calculating nature and and the way that we're trying to install our latest dictator as progressives. But I think many of us went in this with the understanding, especially many of us people of color, went in this with the understanding that Joe Biden was a one-term president because of his age and a couple of other factors. That other factor being Kamala Harris. Excuse me for a second. That other factor being Kamala Harris and the fact that she's a woman of color, okay? Uh, The way that we described it, and you could elaborate on this a little bit more, is that we understood that Joe Biden being a one-term president and in a sense was a compromise vote for everybody and a compromise presidency for Joe Biden in that he was a bridge between well, getting out of the Trump era, maybe in, an, in a sense, bridging between the Obama presidency and his own presidency, and then going forward from there and moving forward to another progressive vision hopefully being Kamala Harris being the next president of the United States in order to, and we can argue about this all day with any conservative out there about whether representation matters or not, but you and I believe and know that that's something that matters very, very, very greatly in this country. You, you had a backlash against Obama, but at the same time, if you didn't have Obama in the first place, we wouldn't be having certain conversations and somehow advancing the, the cause of black rights in this country. I think, it is, even though it's not making America a post-racial world to have a black president, it has certainly catalyzed some conversations that we wouldn't have had if it weren't for Obama. And indeed, it led to a backlash. But the backlash is kind of part of where the conversation comes from. But like, yeah, like that was the expectation, if you remember. Like, talk about how you felt on that when we were we were basically complacent with the idea that yes, Joe Biden's going to be president for four years, and then hopefully Kamala Harris and some running mate, maybe a Pete Buttigieg or some some other fantasy that we had thought up would be vice president in in twenty twenty four. So, like, tell me about your thoughts on that. Well, hold on, I I don't know if I'm truly convinced that 
Biden won't run for a second term. You don't think he's running again? I don't think so. No. Really? I I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't. So your mind I wouldn't your mind say, has changed huh? on that then. I don't feel like that's what you were saying a few months ago. I don't know if you can go into a presidency basically saying, oh, well, I have but four years to do this and I'm done. You can't you can't do that. I, I think you can't go in as a lame duck. Right. I think that he went in saying, OK, in the perfect world, I can serve until I'm 86. <laughs> but you can't essentially you, 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 you can't cut your presidency off at the knees before we even get started. I agree with you that Kamala is there as the heir apparent, which is why part of me is a little disappointed that she hasn't been more visible. Uh, this is essentially a trial run for her to, with with the power of the pulpit, uh, to be side-by-side presidential with the president, right? We talk, we've been talking about perception a lot during this podcast. Mm-hmm. And seeing her standing side by side next to the president, seeing her being vice presidential would go a long way for her. I would say when it's her time to run, she's going to run whenever, if Joe steps down or if Biden runs and when she loses in 2024, theoretically, right. She's the next in line. That's the reason why we went through all this. That's the reason why she was chosen. You're right. Joe Biden sees himself as a bridge to the future. I just, don't think it's a shorter bridge as you think it is. I think that he as at least considering running again in 2024, he would have to be I, you at know, this point. I wonder if there's any any side of or any any perception of the idea, there's that word again, perception of the idea of how people feel about Kamala Harris nearing the end of this term and whether that'll influence his decision to run for a second term or not. Because if you're looking at it, it from where to. it is now. I mean, of course it has to, but if you're looking at it from where it is now, you're probably right. Like Joe Biden could not step aside because Kamala Harris is so fucking invisible these days. And so it's so unclear what exactly she's been doing other than like making appearances here and there. There's no indication of certain laws that she's leading in the Senate or anything like that. She's just there, which is really a, a wasted fucking opportunity for her. 100%. Um, I mean, you could say that she might want to stay out of the way and avoid some of these issues that Biden is dealing with, but that just makes her it look like she's dodging them. So with the perception as it is now, you're you're probably right. Biden really couldn't say, like, and you know, now for Kamala Harris, like, I'm too old for this, I retire, but my running mate did a fantastic job. She hasn't done anything that we can see. I don't think that she could let's put it this way, if she were to run on this record and on her standalone accomplishments to this point, granted it's eight months in, but yes, the resume is a little thin on the vice presidential level. It's remarkably thin. It's remarkably thin, especially when um, you think that when, when you realize that there is that perception of her as the heir apparent, hopefully to continue the progressive agenda after Joe Biden steps down or ends his second term. Well, the one thing that also kind of gives me pause is she wasn't the most popular person when she herself ran for president. No. I mean, she she ended up quitting right before Iowa, for God's sakes. So a lot of this, to me, has been, okay, I thought that you were 
I mean, it's the obvious choice, but she was definitely top three as far as running mate material for whoever the nominee was going to be, if it wasn't going to be her. Mm-hmm. But my one concern was, well, hell, if you can't win a primary race, how can I trust you to win a general election? And that's pretty much what makes me nervous to this point. It is That's why... Huh? It is problematic. When you yeah, and, that, that and, and that's why, you know, when you frame it in the context of, oh, and maybe that's why my position has changed a little bit over the past couple of months. Because I was concerned about her being the running mate to begin with, not to say that she didn't deserve it, but because she was supposed to be the next in line. And, I mean, I hate to say it, but as a black person in this country, you know, the first thought is, and you, I thought about it with Obama, right? You may have the qualifications, you may have the resume, but are we going to vote for you? Because it, there's always, it's always, that's how it is when you're, you know, minority in this country. That's always in the back of your head, in my opinion. You got to perform a little bit harder. Yes. And I think that with her not being as visible as I think she should be, especially at the beginning of this presidency. And granted, Biden threw a whole bunch of crap in her lap. I mean, hard issues. But again, I kind of understood what he was doing because if she were president, these would be on her plate anyway. Yeah. So he's giving her that cover. Granted, she has to answer to this when she runs. But let's... Take a step back for a second, because I had mentioned and we had talked about the California primary or sorry, the California recall not so long ago. One thing I had heard was this recall might essentially be a catalyst for Gavin Newsom to think about his future, whether it's in 2024 or 28. And that's significant as well, considering that he and Kamala are from the same state. You figure they're friends. Does he think that she's not capable of being the heir apparent to where he says, Hey, fellow Californian, you're vice president, but I still think I can take you out and I can do a better job than you. If you were to get the bump up to president. I mean, we could say like in 2024, if, uh, if Biden were to step aside and say, you know what, I'm, I'm too old. It's Kamala's time. You if Biden see... steps aside, not to cut you up, I'm saying if Biden were to step aside for 2024, I don't think Kamala has a clear path to the nomination. Well, I think that's what I was, that's what I was going to hey, say. If, they're going to run against her. Well, hold on. That's what I was going to say. What I was going to say is we were going to see something similar to the free-for-all that we saw in fucking 2016 when Trump ran for the Republican Party. You're just going to see not only a Newsom, but like every fucking asshole in the Democratic Party is going to come out of the woodwork and probably challenge her because if if – She's this week now. If Biden's approval rating is this low now, like I don't he see he takes her down with him. I don't yes. see that. Yeah, I don't see there being a strong position for her to run in twenty twenty four or even twenty twenty eight. I mean, maybe in twenty twenty eight, if he if he were to succeed in in winning a reelection, then that becomes a little bit more of a mandate for the following president. Even though we have these cycles of flipping, right? We have these six, maybe eight years, maybe twelve years maximum of Democratic <laughs> presidents, and then flip back to Republican ones. I mean, I, I would say, in my opinion, I, I would, I, I think that just in general, when the shelf life for a politician uh, uh, has more visible uh, position, whether it's a governor or a president, for some reason, the senator doesn't seem to have the same, uh, these same restrictions. I think that 
after a while, people kind of get tired of you. Like if you're a mayor, if you're a governor, if you're a president, I think after two terms, you, if you if that same party has a third term, I think they kind of start to tune you out, right? I think that uh, if Biden were to win a second term, it, it would be it would be a little bit easier for Kamala to run in 2028, but it would also be a little bit harder for her to run in 2028 because, you know, by that time, would there be the hell there's Biden fatigue now? Can you imagine in seven years and three months, how people are going to feel? And then to say, Hey, vote for my successor, Kamala or any other person in her position, you know, after a while, yeah, you, you there is a little bit of, I don't want to see overexposure, but there's there's a little bit of okay, who's next up? That's totally different from what's currently in there. I mean, you've seen it for the past a couple of administrations. There really hasn't been a third term for any party recently, except for the Republican Party, after from Bush to Ra- from Reagan to Bush, and even after that, it was only four years of Bush. People didn't you know because they started tuning him out after twelve years of one party. You kind of want to see what else is out there, so it would be a hard mountain for her to climb regardless but at the very least it'd be nice to kind of see her out there a little bit more right that's that's i mean for as much as mike pence did or didn't do and as much as you were frustrated i mean he was around even if it was just to explain hey this is what the president had meant to say was even that right yeah I mean, well, let's let's <laughs> branch out from here. Like, let's talk about one of the problems that got tossed in her lap, so to speak, that and and its perception in regards to Joe Biden as well. We're talking about like immigration, okay? Uh, currently, and this is the article that you sent about uh, Joe Biden's recent approval ratings and the doom and gloom and all of that on the border and immigration. Just thirty three percent say the president and the vice president, who was put in charge of the crisis along the U.S. southern border, say. Uh, that the president and the vice president are doing a good job there. So there's a 33% approval rating on a specific issue. So as far as immigration goes, um, this is an interesting issue to try to tackle because I think the thing about part of, part of what we're seeing and part of what we see, this is something that has been cyclically uh, something that's cyclical dependent upon what administration is in power, I should say. Let me get back to clarifying this. When you have a more progressive presidency, a democratic president, the tendency is that immigration of all kinds tends to increase. And it's a weird, it's sort of a weird balance because it's because of the way that Democrats message immigration that allows for something like this to get out of hand to a certain extent. I have to admit that because when you're like, you know, we have to accept refugees and we have to accept this and that the messaging to some of the nations that are just to the South of us some Latin American nations or Central American nations is that like, yeah, you can come right over the border and indeed have a situation like what we have in Texas, I believe where you have about 10 or several thousand, I don't know if it's 10,000, several thousand immigrants standing under a bridge waiting to be processed, waiting to come into this country, right? But here's yeah. the thing. Here's the thing. Here's where I kind of like will get back to your point earlier. And even though I sort of disagree with it in that particular situation, I think that there's a difference to a certain extent here. Although I do want to say this is another instance where there's not enough 
progress, not enough ideas out there from Kamala Harris, from Joe Biden on immigration, not enough demonstration of what they're doing in order to solve this problem. But you have you have this thing, and it ties to Afghanistan. You have this this context here where essentially what happens in these sort of situations is that conservatives are very, very upset about these immigration problems. The messaging is usually that Democrats want open borders and they want terrorists to to come over and they want to bring over millions of illegal immigrants so that they can turn them into legal Democratic voters. And I mean, that's certainly something that that they're worried about. But like when you look at a situation like Afghanistan, I'm going to kind of tie it there here, tie it to that here for a moment. You look at a situation like refugees, and things like that. You look at the Republican outcry when it comes to like not being able to bring over certain Afghan refugees, certain Afghan people, certain Afghans who worked with the American military. There's this issue where it's it's a disconnect between what they say and what they do, certainly. Because in Afghanistan, for instance, they're crowing about how we didn't get everybody out of Afghanistan that was that helped America and contractors and other people and citizens and NGOs were not withdrawn. But at the same time, these backlogs get created when conservatives paint refugees and immigrants as other, as dangerous, as a, as, as a, what was the caravan, the description of the caravan as a horde, as some sort of some sort of force of nature that's going to come in and destroy America. And indeed, how can you complain about that? It's not like Republicans are going out of their way to approve Afghan visas, for instance, for some of these Afghans who have been left behind, maybe with families, maybe people who work with the military. There's that disconnect between what Republicans will allow in terms of progress on immigration. So I guess that's kind of a long story to kind of get around to what my point is. But on this one, I think your point would be a little bit stronger in terms of the obstructionism in terms of handling the problem is far, far worse. And there's not much you can do in terms of messaging or sending resources like you can in case of COVID, where you can send something in terms of hospital resources. There's not much you can do here. You can strengthen the border further, sure, but that hasn't seemed to do much necessarily. It doesn't seem like strengthening security along the border really makes a difference. It seems like more of the messaging of the party. And then go ahead. Well, I know I kind of ranted there for a minute, but like give you, give well, me your thoughts I, well, on that. No, I was going to say, I mean, as far as strengthening, I mean, Trump wanted to put up a wall. He did. I, I, I don't know. I mean, he hasn't done anything. Well, that's what I'm saying. I, I don't know. I mean, as far as strengthening the border, but more a Biden can do. Um, not to say that Trump's ideas were genius, but uh, a lot, a lot of it, yes, is how. Look, in a lot of in, in a lot of instances, and this is, I guess, more of a general term. Republicans like to go into places, and I don't want to say they like to break things, but they tend to go into a problem and say this needs to be taken care of, and then don't really have the solution for when the problem becomes ours. Uh, we 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 saw this, you know. When it came to Afghanistan, and you're right, I think that we've seen a lot of it when it comes to immigration. You know, this has been framed, especially over the past four or five years, where you have people that come from other parts of the world that are just seen as threats. 
and they're seen as others. Um, and that's only gotten stronger as far as an opinion on the conservative side for the past couple of years. I mean, it's just a distraction from other issues. Clearly, I mean, that's that's my opinion but on that. That's it's, our opinion it's on an, that but it's it's an effective distraction, right? And that's always a talking point. That's one of their go tos, the Republicans, as far as well, we can always get over on okay, strengthening the border, being somewhat selective with who comes to this country. Um, and again, Trump basically doubled down on that a lot over the past four years. I think that by doing so, he's hardened a lot of the people on that side to the point where even if they wanted to have a compromise on immigration, a lot of it is political, I don't know if they could survive if they were to say, hey, Biden administration, let's work together in order to see what we can do in order to allow for a certain right. number of people or for, you know, immigrants of a certain, you know, that sort of thing. Well, I, I was going to con continue with your example from, or my example from earlier in terms of where in this situation, sending resources, so to speak, to the area is something that's easier for Republicans to say no to, because in, in this case, it's, it's much more beneficial for them to have 10,000 immigrants accumulating under a bridge than it is for 10,000 people to accumulate and overload hospitals. So it's much easier for them to say like, no, we're not going to work with you on this one and allow the problem to get worse visibly again, because of their obstruction on the, on the deal. But this is a situation where I think they have a little bit more leverage to do something like that. Is that, do you kind of agree with that? Or is that like, well, I mean, you, it's funny you mentioned resources uh, from that was mistaken. The Biden administration is trying to send additional resources to those countries that those are known for bringing. Well, I, I was being more specific in terms of sending more resources, maybe to border border agents, border crossings, uh, you know, things of that nature. Okay. Well, again, what do resources mean in this instance? Yeah. Does that mean more ice? Does that mean more? I mean, does it mean more walls? That's what, what it would, would mean you say? In this case. I mean, it would mean, I mean more ice you... agents. Well, generally. Okay. Okay. To do what? To 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 send immigrants back to process them, in what me. context are you? Not, you know, more, what not you necessarily more ICE. Well, more ICE agents. Yes, more ICE agents. Definitely necessarily that because in in this context, what they would need to do is also have those agents available to process people. You know, again, the example of ten thousand people standing under a bridge, but also the resources to have the facilities to process all those people because that's the the complaint. That's the argument that there's all these these immigrants coming in because of you know the because of the the massive influx because of covid the resources are not there in terms of manpower and space well also trump i mean you have to put it out there he's also another reason why the border has you know, why more people have come to the border again when you have somebody that says hey don't come because this is how we perceive you yeah you're going to stay away when the other guy that's really against you says hey well this guy's mean towards immigrants he didn't say come on in but yeah, you're going to think, okay, this guy is you know, pretty cool or he's cooler with me than the last guy. So yeah, I'm going to take a chance well, and was, go up there and see what happens. That was the messaging kind of aspect that I w was alluding to earlier, right? Yes. You know, like when you have that sort of more welcoming ideal and you haven't worked out how to deal with an influx of immigrants, how to process immigrants both legally and illegally, and you're just like, hey, y'all are more welcome here. 
and you How? don't you don't prepare Again, for How? it. Well, he didn't pre- he didn't prepare for it in any way. I guess that's kind of the issue here, right? He didn't say like, yeah. "Hey, oh, immigrants are welcome." You, yeah, yeah. Well, Biden. I'm just Biden. saying. We're I'm talking just about saying, Biden yeah, here. I'm not president. Just saying the, We're talking I'm just about saying Biden. the general. How <laughs> exactly? I'm just saying. Well, the that's, general that's how. one way, right? If you're going to be more welcoming to immigrants, then you should have more resources, or you should at least put the idea out there. And again, that does involve ICE agents, unfortunately. Uh, and and but again, to the to the point that you, we're kind of trying to make here, also, you're not really going to get more resources for processing visas or anything like that. So, on this one, again, I think that there's more than can be done. I think that's to, for me going to be a theme, not to kind of give away the go the ghost on this one, but that's but kind of a theme I think with Biden. Well, and you yes. said it earlier, he's a little too hands off with a lot of these situations. He's just kind of like, well, I, it wasn't a problem that I created, so fuck yeah, you want me to do about it. A lot of it is this is the hand that I was dealt, so it's gonna so we're digging from a deeper hole. That's been his go-to for a lot of these things. That's been his go-to for Afghanistan, that's been his go-to for the economy, that's been his go-to for the pandemic. No, I mean it's a lot of it is this guy before me. Wow, what a bad president. And he has a point, but at I think, yeah, it's getting to the point that yeah, we're eight months in. We're starting to become further removed enough from the last guy that these are wholeheartedly your problems. And I think that, you know, for Afghanistan, that was a big part of it, right? That he basically was saying, and granted, yes, Trump did what he did as far as negotiation. We've gotten into that already in the past. But after a while, people kind of just say, all right, dude, like, this this just come on come on man if you want to say what he normally says yeah right you know enough you're you you, you want him and that's the thing he wanted this job he wanted it he was gone for a couple of years right i mean he was retired he was done he was wine in winter all that stuff he signed up for this yeah this is the, the, the this is why part of me is just kind of like yeah it it, it sucks joe but nobody asked you to run <laughs> really i don't know if there was any clamoring or groundswell for who a Biden administration he came out there and said hey i think i can do a good job based on what i've seen based on what this guy has done as president and based on who's running and what we have to also realize and keep, i remember it's good lord it's been a long year and a half two years which you also have to remember and don't forget biden wasn't the most popular candidate out there when he ran in 2020 as a matter of fact, <laughs> it took a village in order to get this man to be nominated, let alone become president. He was way at the bottom of the pack. So essentially, you're right. He was the consensus pick. I mean, he was, our was, he was my consensus pick. Well, I, I, I mean, he was a lot of people's consensus pick. You know what he is? You know, you know what he is to me? Like, this is we, we actually um, I'm going to release that episode that we did regarding football as a bonus this weekend on Sunday so that people can listen into it maybe after they watch some of the games and see if our analyses from week one are correct. But the reason I bring that up is, you know what he kind of reminds me of, like in terms of roles uh, as president, he's kind of like that game manager quarterback. He's not particularly talented at anything. He has no, he doesn't have a great arm. He's not fast. He's he's just somebody who's just like okay, we just don't want you to crash this whole fucking thing into the ditch, please. Like, you know what it is for Biden. I, I I think what it is is passion is a hell of a thing, and this vote for Biden, 
in this instance, I think was more a vote against Trump than it was for Biden. And there's a yeah. big difference. Yeah, that's true. Because when you no have, when you, no yeah, but you know what I mean? Like when you are passionate about something, about someone, you want to go the extra mile and say, okay, I want to vote for this person because of their policies. I think a lot of what, I mean, I mean a big chunk as to why Biden got in was essentially in spite of Trump. And there's, you know, and again, when when you're the compromise, when you're the exactly when you're basically the don't screw things up guy, mm-hmm. when you're basically the I'm going to hold my nose and vote for you because you're the best choice of the ones we have guy, then your margin of error is a lot smaller. Right. I mean, he wasn't my my last choice, but he he was certainly he wasn't, wasn't even like either. He was he was and he was closer to the bottom than he was the top. And then it was just like, well, shit, I guess we're going to have to vote for Joe Biden because, well, by default, your, essentially, your boy in North Carolina, it was just like, yo, motherfuckers, like, what are y'all doing? Like Joe Biden. Well, I mean, <laughs> let's go back again. It was basically either Joe or Bernie yeah. was pretty much what it came down to. Yeah. And the Democratic Party collectively more or less said, oh, hell no to Bernie. This dude is the one we want. Everybody fell in line. Yeah. Everybody lined up right behind Biden. And. All of a sudden, I mean, it, it was over the course of two days. Yeah. Remember, South Carolina, Biden was dead in the water, and everybody was saying, oh, hey, this is your last chance, or else he's gone. In the span of a weekend, it went from Joe Biden's not going to be anywhere near this presidency or this primary to he now <laughs> he knocked out every single Democrat practically in the race except for Bernie. He got their support, got establishment support, and more or less ran away with this thing in a weekend. Yeah. And that's and that's it. Just became all of a sudden it was okay. Joe's a nominee. That was like literally. It was just I've I've never seen something like that before. Where it just you went from essentially your okay, not my first choice to well, he's the only choice we got. Right. And all of a sudden now you have to rally behind a Joe Biden. All of a sudden now his policies are the party's policies, and. It's it, everything just happened in the span of it was a blur. So a lot of it, I mean, was this even our decision? If you really think about it, really? Yes and no. I mean, our decision was that, like you said, it was it very much was an anti-Trump vote, but it also was, you know, I don't want to say that it was just that because it was supposed to be a way to reaffirm progressive values over the values of the party but, of what's become the party of Trump. Right? Oh, it's on. not just about Trump. It's what yeah. Trump has done to the no, but but party. but again, we know Joe Biden's history. We know his track record. He's not the most progressive person. No, he's not. So again, this is the hand that we were dealt as far as this guy. I mean, or the uber progressive. Yeah, he's he's center right anywhere else on the planet. We like Joe Biden is a center right. So, it's not politician. to say that we yeah. So it's not to say we didn't know what we were getting ourselves into yeah. with this guy. All but you know a lot of it was yes he has to compromise with the with the more progressives of the party. Yeah. But again, we Joe Biden's we know he's a neoliberal. We know this. We're we're, we're yeah, but Biden, we're totally aware aware of this. <laughs> but you know Biden's not a secret. So, to was, anyone. so was Obama. Obama was a neoliberal as well. He wasn't a true progressive. Yeah. Never he never promised and, that he was. Neither did Biden. Yeah. yeah he never, exactly. That was exactly. the point. And, yeah, but again, when when essentially the 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 choice has been made for you, I mean, I the cake was already baked by the time March came around last year with these primaries, 
right? When, when, when everybody, when you have 16 candidates, let's just say give or take, and then they slowly filter away, then all of a sudden it's Bernie versus Biden, and the entire party, say, for, but for a few people, are strongly suggesting that you go for the less scary person in the eyes of the establishment. Well, I mean, this is what you get. Biden, I think, in this instance has to, I mean, there's a lot of this lack of lack of enthusiasm. And when you go into the when you go into the midterms, the midterms are coming up next year, a lot of it is okay, I'm voting against the other side's policies more so than championing and saying that the policies that we're promoting are that be much better or more effective. It's like all, right? all, we're, all we're looking at at this point as far as any sort of election is I don't want the other side to win. So when you have that as your first thought and not, hey, I really support this guy. I really believe in this guy. And I really think that this guy has some good ideas. Did he make the country a better place or no, right? Uh, again, when, when, when you're holding your nose to vote for someone, the, the, you have a higher mountain to climb. And Kamala, again, as someone who didn't really get so much enthusiasm behind her as a candidate her on her own, not saying that she's not qualified or that she wasn't the best choice, but... Nobody you know, has, yeah. though. Nobody has. That's an issue we've had since Obama. There has not been a candidate that has garnered... Well, you could say Bernie, but he hasn't Bernie. won anything. He hasn't won anything. Right? There's no candidate that anybody's really excited about that actually won some shit. Because that's like what it comes down to, right? You, we had this conversation about well, Ossoff. I, I, well, before again, Ossoff won, you had talked about how like, all right, well, this guy, everybody's fucking super excited and like, okay, maybe he'll win something, but he hasn't won shit yet. So like, no matter how excited people are about him, if he loses again, he goes away. Thankfully, he won. Well, again, he just wasn't the other person, which is why Ossoff was, you know, a candidate that people liked, right? He, If you're a Democrat in Georgia, you're going to vote for the Democrat in Georgia, you know, because he's not the Republican in Georgia you don't like. So Ossoff essentially was a means to an end. And I think, I mean, if you break it down, it's kind of what politics is in, in, in a sense at this point. You, you're just a body that represents was. ideas. What? It always was. It never, yes. it never was anything other than that. But, but Yes, but... Well, I think the difference now is, is a, no, what but, you're saying is the difference now is that it's not necessarily somebody's representing a set of ideas. He's representing a, a, he's representing a, a stopgap against certain ideas against yeah you're you're voting against something more than voting for something right. is my point and when you do that then i don't want to see the problems you have but it makes you it frames things differently for those on both sides it really does that's why i mean look at trump trump lost and they still see he has control of the republican party because people have that passion for him people want him to run in four years because they believe in him. I don't think that Biden has that same passion. You think that you go down the street and you say, hey, how do you feel about Joe Biden? I don't think I don't think there's anybody that's going to say, oh, you know, he's a shoe in for four you know, for two years from now. I really believe in him and his ideals. Damn it. I'm going to vote for him. I mean, we're not it would be more so to vote for not Trump or not the Republican. No, we're not. Nor were we ever particularly excited about Joe Biden. So, no, I wouldn't say that you could walk down the street and find somebody even here in Brooklyn where I am. That's like beyond excited. I don't see any Biden Harris stickers in windows, bumper stickers on cars or any of that shit. Well, anymore. Let's just say they were, they were all there last them, year, even to begin with. I think in, here where I am, it's kind of understood. Last year, really? I think it's kind of understood over here, like who the fuck people are voting for. I'm in Brooklyn. I'm like by like Park Slope. 
Well, understandable, yes. I mean, this is the liberal bubble of that we call New York. I right. get it. But we still have we, we still have two parties. Yeah, right? but I'm saying <laughs> we're talking about bumper stickers here. We're not talking about like two parties existing. We're talking about like level of enthusiasm. And they're just I would, the same I, level. I, I would I mean I I would I would disagree slightly. I would say that I saw a little bit of enthusiasm, but again, more more anti-Trump than pro-Biden. Which is what I'm saying. That's what I'm no, saying. But, I, but, no fucking... but, 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 but what I'm saying to you is that that doesn't mean that people didn't still have stickers and signs, whatever else. They still did that because they were passionate about the not other guy. I'm talking about Brooklyn. I, still saw... I don't know what the hell the hell it was around you. I'm around Brooklyn. No, I saw... I'm talking about Brooklyn, too. I saw signs in Brooklyn. I mean, I don't know what part of Brooklyn you were walking around. I saw signs in Brooklyn. I just told you where I'm walking around, by Park Slope. Well, then you gotta walk a little bit more because I saw signs in Brooklyn, other places. I mean, sure, but again, I'm talking about like the level. Like we're talking about levels here. You don't see anything near okay. the same level of stickers in any in any given, let's say, progressive county in America versus any given conservative county in America. If you're counting the most progressive versus the most conservative, you're gonna see a hell of a lot more Trump stickers. Bumper stickers, yes, flags, because again, hats. level of enthusiasm and passion. That's my he point, though. That's people. my point. He doesn't have that. Well, that's the point that I'm trying to make. You're kind of like getting getting me out of the point here. But the point is, yes, I'm agreeing with you. There is not that level of enthusiasm for Joe Biden. There never was in comparison to Trump. It's what literally trying to say the enthusiasm guess, for like what we've already talked about. Fuck Trump well, against Trump yes. against his policies. We yes. already said that. I, that right, so I get I'm that. Trying right. to reiterate, yes. Okay. Right, but my point was the enthusiasm. But like, anyway, let, I wanted to move on to actually something else that I think is, let's call this a failing for for Joe Biden, in my mind at least. I'm going to go right out there and say this beforehand. Uh, and I think it was a failing of Obama as well. Uh, and that's this, and it's a, I mean, it's a failing of American politics to a certain extent. Like, so I can't necessarily blame any any of them. You know, every president does this. But it's this, it's this tendency to attach themselves to this significant transformative policy. In Biden's case, it's infrastructure. Obama's case, we had uh, Obamacare. But Biden and his sort of handling of how he's trying to deal with the infrastructure package, which is his big signature thing that he's working on. I think that this is, um, in my mind, something that is repeating the the same issue that I had with Obama. He's spending a lot of political capital on getting this thing passed. And it's in my mind, it's it's part of the reason why we don't see the focus on certain other issues that maybe they should be getting, right? Because all of his messaging these days is about passing an infrastructure package package and COVID. You know, there's an avoidance when it comes to Afghanistan. There's an avoidance when it comes to the border generally, there's an avoidance when it comes to any other issues, crime Essentially, that's another thing where he has a low approval rating. It's about 38% approval rating with Americans on his handling of crime. So I think that for me, this is something that I said about Obama and one of the reasons why I was not a huge fan of Obama, um, among other things, which I noted before. I mean, again, he was a neoliberal. He wasn't as progressive as a lot of people made him out to be. And, and I understood that. But I think that that's this focus, this singular focus on that one transformative policy issue where Joe Biden can say whatever, where Joe Biden or history can look up in 50 years, 40 years, 60 years, 100 years and say that Joe Biden passed the transformative infrastructure package in America. But it's at the detriment of so many other things. 
I think that that the problem that I always see here is that when it comes to something like infrastructure, you don't have to pass one single sweeping fucking bill in order to to tackle the problem. And I felt the same way about Obamacare. As much as we have to transform the way that we do infrastructure in this country, as much as we have to transform healthcare, this idea that you have to throw this massive policy at the board in order to create legacy and create a buzz around your second your second term is, in my mind, it's 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 a fool's game. And I think I'm like actually really I get really upset when I see things like this. I don't know. We had our our well, opinions on this. How do you feel? Well, I was going to ask you. So, all right, how how would you approach it? Do you think one of the arguments that they have, as far as if we're going to go with the infrastructure, is that three point five trillion is a hell of a lot of money. The compromise at this point is what one and a half trillion, more or less. Well, one one point two trillion. So here's the 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 thing that both parties are also responsible for. That's always an issue as well. Is that one point two trillion of that three point five trillion is actually for infrastructure, roads, bridges, trains, you know, things of that nature. The other two and a half trillion are are for things that in in general have nothing to do with infrastructure, and that's another serious problem almost in the same way where it's just trying to tack on all of these huge transformative policies in a single fucking bill. And I know that, you know, we're talking about consequences and how certain people block these things. When you're president of the United States right now, you probably can only get about one fucking bill passed before Congress obstructs you on the other side. So there's that as well. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, like there's no, to me, there's no necessity to do this. Like what if you tackle things one at a time? One of the things that's a huge issue right now is our power grids. Clearly, we've had serious, serious issues with power grids on the state level. We've had serious issues with power grids even on the federal level in some instances. There's a lot of talk about how our power grids are vulnerable to being hacked. That's something that's become a conversation more and more over the last few years. Why is there not, and again, this is all presidents are guilty of this, but I'm not going to give him a pass. Why is there not more of, of a focus on solving that specific agenda through a bill or maybe power grids and internet access maybe like tackling a couple of things instead of these big sweeping policies well i mean you have to go big or go home don't you do you well you just say it yourself you know most presidents probably have one big sweeping policy or bill right right but i'm talking about how you feel about the idea that that's how how he's going to govern because he's i mean i don't think that it's necessary that he should govern that way Again, because everybody else did it. Like, that's not what we want necessarily out of a candidate, right? Well, I, the way I look at it, I, I I understand where you're coming from as far as, okay, he's trying to go for the jugular as far as getting everything. But, I mean, isn't that what politicians are supposed to do? They're supposed to negotiate. This is why they're in there. He starts at three and a half. They're starting at one and a half. Figure it the fuck out. Well, that's my point, though. Why not start smaller? Why does it have to be a three and a half trillion? Okay, but but, but but okay, but why does he have to start smaller? Why why does he? He's the president. He can't. He, he ran on. I have this sweeping idea for infrastructure. You've seen what it, what it looks like outside. Roads are, roads are pretty crappy nowadays. Mm-hmm. There are other things. Bridges are, are falling apart. I, I, I'm, I don't know if it's maybe the money might be an issue, but I mean, you can't fault the guy for trying to go for the gold. No, 
Well, why, you, why, why should why should we do baby steps this is, when it comes this to this? This is more from my personal practical perspective. I don't think that you can enact this kind of change in a single bill. I just don't think you can do it. Because the way that I see something like this is when you solve one problem, you're going to see a host of other problems pop up. That's always how these kind of things work. You yeah, but that's why. But the, but the, but the three and a half trillion is essentially what that's supposed to cover. No, no, the, the other two and a half trillion again have nothing to do with roads, bridges, or anything like that. One point well, two I, trillion I, is for infrastructure. That's always yes. the issue. There's a lot of pork in these bills, right? So yes. In my opinion, what the fuck is the reason for the pork? You separate well, no, these well, things. Well, right? what's the pork? What? What's the pork? What, what else besides infrastructure is in this bill then that you would say, hey, we can hold off on? I mean, there's there's a lot of other things that are in this bill that have nothing to do with that, including some things that I've heard about. Uh, there's some there's some police funding things in this bill. There's a lot of things in this bill that have nothing to do with with infrastructure. Well, infrastructure is a relative term nowadays, though. I mean, they, I mean when when the Republicans were saying, hey, broadband isn't considered infrastructure, in this I day and age, it kind of is. don't know that something like police funding is infrastructure. I think you're kind of missing the point but, here but, trying but, to get but, past it. But, well, not necessarily, no, but police funding or something to that nature also assists in infrastructure. That's how you maintain infrastructure, by supporting other things that build that infrastructure, no? I mean, I mean there, there are a lot of other examples, and I can f- try to go and go and seek those out. But I mean, from the article that you yourself have shared with me, it's made pretty clear in the article that there's about two and a half trillion dollars in there that doesn't need to be in there. It does nothing to do with 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 infrastructure in general. And I think that it's it's a little odd that you're arguing this point because that's always how it is. It's always how it is. Every bill yes. has a bunch of bullshit in it that has nothing to do with the actual problem that they're trying to solve. And this bill is no different. It never was. And this is this is kind of how it always continues. And what I'm saying, the point that I'm trying to make is if you want an effective president, if you have somebody trying to stuff pork into and leverage a bill like this, especially in these partisan times, shit ain't going to happen. It's not going to happen. You're not going to get this bill passed. You're not going to get any aspect of this bill passed. And in fact, you're going to create nothing but less goodwill for this bill as it gets kicked further and further down the road. So for me, like, realistically, it does not make sense to say, let's put everything in this damn bill. You, like I said, you fix one problem, another one pops up. If you fix all the problems well, at the same time, what are you going to do? Allocate another $2 trillion right away? Another trillion well, dollars if you, to if fix you all recall, the problems that were created by solving problems? If you recall in the same article I said, and you would say that Biden was well on his way to getting something done on, on that infrastructure bill until Afghanistan. And prior to Afghanistan, a big part of it was, well, yeah, he had leverage because bridges are falling apart. Roads are being destroyed. And if you can get those things fixed and then do some additional stuff on top of that, again, you got to go for the gold if you're him for that exact reason, because you only have one shot at this right now. You, you, you know as well as I do, pretty much come 2022, it's midterms and that's it. You know, as far as any sort of bully pulpit, as far as any particular sort of thought of compromise, this is the one shot he's got. So I agree with you. Yes, there might be some things that may or may not be wise to put in this, but you have to start from that super high number and then work your way down. You can't start off and say, okay, well, 
I know I can probably get 1.25 trillion pass. So we'll just start off with that. I mean, that's the art of the deal, right? That's what I've been told for the past four years. You start with what you want. They start with what they want. And we meet somewhere in the middle. That was what I thought was going to be the whole point of this three and a half trillion. Let's start off, you know, going for the gold situation. I mean, I figured at some point we we're going to get somewhere into the middle. But I mean, like, but, kind of look at what's happened so far. We passed a trillion dollar bill in the Senate. And now it's going to go back to the House. And the idea in the House is that if we don't have that other two and a half trillion dollars of bullshit in it, the House is not going to pass it. So, well, yes, but also remember where the well, house how is coming is that, from. How is that productive? How is that productive? Well, but, but we have the again. Bill. This is politics. That's but that. But everybody okay, has. But listen, play. man. Question: You're 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 talking about this a little bit too much as a poli sci major, which is I think something that you do a little bit too often. We're not talking about this in okay. terms of what you do in terms in terms of to gain the political capital you need to win. So We're talking about. Hold on, hold on, hold on, uh, hold on. Let me finish my point. The point I'm trying to make is how they're performing in my perception, not how they're going to do in the fucking polls. Okay. That's not what I'm talking about right now. How they're it's doing, always, what they should be doing. Them. And this to me is not what they should be doing. It's not what I they agree should with, be doing. I agree. We have a trillion connected. dollar bill. It, it is connected. But my point right now is what is Biden doing right? And this is not something that he's doing right. That's So again, what do you think he should do? I told you what he should do. I think that this okay. should be a more piecemeal approach. All right. So, what would, what would you start off with first? Then you said power grids is what you rather do first. Power right? grids is one one good example. Then you okay, can get the roads like, and bridges. I mean, the exact order of it is something that I'm probably not qualified to speak on. But the but reality of this is, well, hold on, that- hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Fuck, you're ex- you're interrupting me a lot today. The reality of 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 the situation is what what I understand is the way that trying to force through these gigantic bills has been done for decades now has hamstrung the process and backlogged the process to the point where we can't get fucking anything done because there's a whole host of other things that are attached to those accomplishments. A host of other things, generally from both parties, both Republican and Democratic, attaching a whole host of priorities that have nothing to do with the main priority. So, like, for me, when you're taking a more piecemeal approach... I'm not going to dictate exactly how they are to break up this bill because when it gets to that minutia, I'm not qualified for that. I don't know where you start necessarily and what impact that has on something later down the road. Maybe you deal with bridges and then you then that creates an issue with public transit. I'm not certain about the minutia there. But what I do understand is that trying to pass laws in this way has been nothing but detrimental for many, many decades now. It always has been detrimental, but it's been more of a problem in my lifetime and yours. So I'm not talking about what the politically expedient thing is to do here. I'm talking about what the proper thing in terms of governing is to do. And for me, it always has been, and it's always been a complaint of mine for both sides of the aisle to stop shoving all of this pork into every single goddamn bill that you're trying to pass. It's not productive. It is. It creates more partisanship. It creates more excuses. It doesn't make for good governance. We're talking about good governance here. And I think that this is a failure of governance. And I'm going to blame Biden because he's the president. He's supposed to lead by example in these instances. So if the president is continuing the status quo here, well, for me, that's a fucking problem because I think this is one of the biggest problems in America right now. Fucking pork in these bills trying to force this bullshit into it. 
So that's the that's the point that I'm trying to make that I think, at least in my mind, it's not that I don't see your point in terms of what's politically expedient, but what I want to focus on is what is right to do in my eyes. And this is not right to do. This is another failure by the president. I thought it was a failure by Obama as well. Whether or not you believe in what's in the bill, overall, in the end, when you're adding all this bullshit to it, it causes an issue. And that's the point that I'm trying to make here. So for me, this the entire handling of the infrastructure bill is yet another fail from, from day one. From day one. The way that I saw Obamacare as a failure in terms of how it was handled from day one. Because another thing that, that and I'll let you, you know, get in here and then I think we're going to start to wrap up this conversation in a little bit. But another thing that that I kind of made a point to realize, or I, I, I'm not going to say I made a point to realize, but another thing that I noted, and I think we had this conversation, is when you pass a bill like that, all it ends up doing is, as I said earlier, creating a more partisan environment. It creates the environment that we're in where people love Obamacare when they fucking have it, and they're still bitching about it and telling their politicians that they want to get rid of it, even though they like the individual mandate, and they like certain aspects of it. That's how you politicize the, the issue. And I think that that none of this is beneficial, and I'm putting it in Biden's lap because he's fucking president right now. And at least in terms of decorum, how you can handle this situation, that's something that he has a lot of power to change. That's just me. Go ahead. Rant, rant on oh, I about how okay. you Yeah. Well, all I was going to say is, and we've said, we've been going over this for God knows how long. The difference between what is right and the difference between what is real. And yes, the way that we wish a, a politician could govern is totally different than what they need to do in order to survive politically. And that's why I keep on telling you. Yes, I want to see Biden do certain things. We all want to see Biden do certain things. But this is a job. This is a job for everybody. And that's the first thing you have to realize. These people are in it for their own selves and they're in it to keep, to keep their jobs. They're going to say things. They're going to do things in order to make sure that they stay in power as individual politicians. And I get you, yes, what is morally correct and what is morally right. I agree with you. But in, at the end of the day, this is, this is, it's all about political survival. Why do you think that people in the Republican Party still bend the knee to Trump? Because they know that's what they need to do in order to get ahead for themselves. Policy, righteousness, or otherwise. Democrats, they have a tendency to be a little more righteous, to be a little more existential when it comes to, okay, this is the reason why we're here and what we need to do. But in the end, and in the grand scheme, all these people are looking not to get fired. And for as much as you want to say, yes, this is what he should be doing, and I totally agree, the reality is all they're trying not to do is get their fucking jobs lost. So if it includes adding additional pork, yeah, you know why? Because that makes their constituents happy. And we know what happens when constituents are happy. You get to keep your job. That's why Biden is tiptoeing around these things. That's why we have all. I mean, by the way, this is why we are where we are, because everyone's trying to do but just enough to get ahead for themselves and not piss off the other side so that they don't get their jobs taken away from them. So, yeah, I agree with you. There's some things that we can cut around and there's some things that, yeah, may not be necessary. But look, it, it, human nature is like, look, I, I need to pay bills. I need money. I, I, I need to be employed to do that. This is still their job. 
So, yeah, I, as much as I would love for them to think about this from, you know, the most innocent and, so, and, and most righteous of ways, A, this is people are still human in the end. Well, here and that's how it is. Sorry. Here, here's the thing for me. You know, I'm no rosy idealist. I, I, I have to balk sometimes in the sense of people who talk about revolution. And I'm put that in quotes. Revolution, quote unquote, burning the system down, burning this thing down, that thing down. I'm not. I'm never going to be in that camp. There's, there's a part of me certainly that when. A lot of what occurred last year when it comes to to social justice and you know there's 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 a part of me that will allow for a certain amount of revolutionary action again when people have been experiencing progression uh oppression black people have been experiencing oppression in america for well over 400 years uh i don't remember the recall the activist that said this but it's really true that that americans and and people are lucky that black people are looking for equality and not revenge right <laughs> I will bite my tongue so, on that. So one. burning down a fucking target for me is something that you know what it's a it it sucks, but there's a part of me that that will say to myself, and I've had this heated discussion with a lot of people, that's that's going to happen because of repeated refusals to see the crux of that issue, right? So I say all that to say, like I said, I'm no specific revolutionary. When you talk about revolution, people don't realize that when you burn down a system, you're going to burn down a lot of the people that you love right along with it. And that's that's not a consequence that I think a lot of people think of or are prepared for when they're talking about revolution and burning systems down. I think it's a little bit of immaturity sometimes. And maybe I sound like an old fucking curmudgeon when I say that. But well, it, it, well it's it's the sports mentality, right? It's one thing if you have a sports team where you want to get rid of the coach, the manager, but who are you going to put in? To replace them, it's one thing to get rid to want to get rid of something, but what's the replacement? Right. What comes next? What comes next? How do you replace this thing that you've burnt down and destroyed? But so, you make the 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 point that it's maybe more about what's real than what's right. Yeah, and I think that again, it doesn't work for me. I, I have to push back on that one more time. Then maybe we'll move on to something else because you can't really change what is right quote unquote, unless you explore what is real. If you're, if you're consistently agree. sitting in the same reality and you don't explore it and you don't allow yourself to be, in this case, yeah, brave enough to say that this status quo isn't working for anybody, that can be a game changer. And I know that there are forces that are working against it. I understand that. But at the same time, I don't think that there would necessarily be forces that would work against the idea that let's say let's do a $300 billion infrastructure bill part one. You know, I think that there are a lot of forces that would in certain instances, not at every instance, you have some politically charged issues, but infrastructure is one that you can find a way. You're not going to do it on immigration. Generally infrastructure is one where you can find a way to, for everyone to win and for everyone to take credit. Well, yes. And Biden had that leverage. I would say until Afghanistan, if, if, if it's one thing to sell or try to sell some money on war or not to go to war, it's another thing to try to sell some money on. Okay. I see that bridge that I drive over every day falling apart, literally by the, at the seams and something ought to be done. That's where I think Joe Biden is coming from when he says, Hey, let me again, let me go big or go home. 
everybody can see how things are falling apart physically when it comes to roads, et cetera, et cetera, right? You might as well, like I said, go for it all because how is a Republican going to go back to their constituent and say, oh, well, no, I voted against you basically getting home safer because I voted against you getting uh, money or I was getting money for this bridge to get it fixed. I, 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 I would say when it comes to this particular bill, he had to go big. And you're also, I keep on saying, you're, you're trying to, you, he has people he has to appease to as well. He has progressives that probably would have raked him over the coals. They don't want him to be in there and to begin with. They'd rather have a Bernie. So you have, I mean, there are a lot of people, there are a lot of mouths to feed, there are a lot of people you have to keep happy. That's another thing you have to realize. And again, that's political, that's politics. He wants to keep his job too. And the way to keep his job is to make the people who are on his side happy. And how do you do that? You have to go for the sweeping changes. You have to go for the big, yeah, in some instances, you have to go for the poor. At least when I, and I say this as, as, as far as where Joe Biden is currently position-wise. He had leverage not too long ago. He, I, Afghanistan changed a lot when it, can, when it comes to him and his approaches, I think, for a lot of these things coming up. Um, they were on the verge of, I, I wouldn't say breaking the Republicans down, but they were definitely in a position of strength. Afghanistan changed the game very, very quickly. So he might not have gotten three and a half trillion, but he would have gotten a lot of what he was looking for. And then again, another problem comes up and things change. But yeah, he's what you want and what the situation is are two different things. And again, what he's trying to do is not try to try not to get fired. So what do you do? You do things in order to keep those that are on your side happy. Even if it's those that are that want to push a little bit more. He has to. If he didn't go this far, then you'd have people in his own party basically saying, Well, why the hell did I support you? Why did I back you? Because I could have gotten this with Bernie. I could have gone down with that ship. You're I, he he has to, in some ways, again, he has to do, yeah, he has to start from this position and work his way down, maybe. But he he couldn't go in there basically conceding or saying, well, this is this is what I think we can get past. Therefore, okay, let's start off with this and move our way up. I don't think you're right. Question. If your messaging is there that you're like, this is just the start of what we're going to do then you can accomplish that. And I think that piecemeal works better. It's, it's, well, you also have to realize Republicans are trying to win this as well. I mean, how many victories can they give Joe Biden? Right? I mean, granted, we can all run on infrastructure, but they're all going to say, hey, this is because of Biden's idea that I supported, as opposed to, hey, when I get in there, I can come with my, with my own ideas. The only thing Republicans want to go in there and say, hey, now that we know infrastructure is a winning idea, we can do it, but we can do it our way. Biden wants to do shit. He wants to do that first. You know, this is a winning issue. It's just I mean, so he's how take, do we get to the finish line? So he's taking the issue away from, from Republicans, essentially. Yes. That's healthy. <clears throat> I think so, yeah. That's healthy. I mean, but he, but he has to. But, again, that's politics. As much as you hate that word, as much as you hate to see, as much as you don't want to think that way, that's politics. That uh, is the game. It's not that I'm not thinking that way. I think you're mis I think you've always misunderstood that. I think you've always misunderstood that point. I think that, again, politics is another reality that if you don't explore the reality, the possibilities of it, if you're falling into the same old thing, 
you're going, of course, you're going to get the same shit. You're going to get the same results. It's never been about me not realizing the political aspect of it, not realizing the political capital, the building of it, the necessity of that. It's never been about that. It's been about what do you, what do you sacrifice at all? Do you sacrifice anything at all? Because there, there's, there's a whole host of other sacrifices that are made that, that we have to make, essentially, that are placed upon us in terms of the progress that we've made as a country, in terms of the progress in all kinds of ways, economic and racial and cultural. It's as a result of this approach, of this, this go big or go home approach. I think that's a big part of it. And it's a big part of what makes America kind of falter in these situations. We don't, we don't think in terms of, 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 of small progress, in terms of incremental progress. Incremental progress is not a thing to Americans and to America. And I don't think that until it is, until somebody is able to change the conversation, change how it's done to a certain extent, until somebody has the bravery to do so and say like, hey, we're allowed to make small incremental changes that make America better. That, that ruins it for everybody. Because then you have people who, who look up and they say, well, nothing's happening. So I want to burn the whole system down. You have people who look up and say, well, everything's happening. So we can't allow this to happen. Then you have, and then the reality of it becomes that nothing is happening at all. And it's just people arguing about whether it should happen or not. I think that's the problem. I think that is the, that is a crux of the problem. A lot of things in life are about messaging. A lot of things in reality, a lot of things in politics are about messaging. In fact, politics essentially is fucking messaging. It's the art of messaging. So if you can't change the message in any way, then, and you're playing the same old politics, then you're, you're in the end not serving anybody. I mean, that's the death spiral we're in as a country. It's because of shit like this. So, like I said, I, I understand the politics perfectly well. I think it's of a failure of every politician in our lifetimes, save for maybe a couple, and they don't win anything. I get it. But once you're there, it's it's time maybe to to put a little bit more on the line. And I don't think that that any politician has done that. I don't think Biden is doing that. I don't think Obama did that. And until somebody does that, they're never going to get any kind of real credit for me. Like you're an OK president. Nobody will ever be a great president or a good president. And I think that's kind of where I have a problem with that uh, question. Do you have any final thoughts or anything else that you wanted to highlight before we wrap this one up? Well, what I was going to say is this is something that um, I think we might be able to explore a little bit deeper. Um, this will have to be a two-parter. It'll be, <laughs> it'll be a, uh, just like our NFL episode. Maybe we'll, but, we'll look up in a few months and see how our predictions went. I mean, I, I think, look, it's not the... <laughs> It's not the most positive. It's not the best part <laughs> of Biden's administration or Biden's tenure to this point. There's a lot of stuff that's happening that has fallen on his plate um, that he has to fix. I mean, bottom line, he's the president. The buck stops here. Is the old saying, yeah, this is all stuff that he's responsible for. Not for, you know, whether there's a previous president, whether there's a president to come, he's the president now. And these are the things that have to be dealt with now. Having said that, these things will always have to be dealt with, right? Well, I, this particular set of problems, 
right? I mean, how many, how often do we have a pandemic coupled with the end of, a, of the longest war in this country's history, coupled with coming away from, well, you know, this dude who screwed shit up for the past four years and have people and essentially have the country saying that you're not the president because the last guy said you're not. Yeah. So, I mean, he doesn't, he, you know, it's very interesting to say, did he start from a position of strength or from a position of weakness this whole time when January 20th rolled around? I think that's still uh, being determined. Um, but I don't think that all hope is lost or that there's a gloom and doom situation. There is still plenty of time to, I don't want to say right the ship, but to have that perception of Biden being uh, an effective president, uh, I, I, there's still time. Um, one thing I did want to mention. Well, um, I just want to answer a, a question you had. I think it's actually relatively clear whether he started from a position of strength or from a position of weakness. I think he started from a position of strength, but he squandered it. I think he very much squandered that opportunity. What? Well, okay, then where do you think the opportunity was lost? If he came in with... In, in several places, not doing enough, not messaging enough, not putting so his ideas out there enough, not putting Kamala out there enough. I think there was a position of strength there, and I think that he squandered it. I think that, that it, to me, that that's a, that's a relatively clear answer. I mean, part well, part of it is mixed messaging, but it's but again, these are the times in which we live. I mean, you have a you have a, a virus and a pandemic that's unpredictable, right? You are dealing with again people who don't see you as a legitimate president and that are trying very actively to physically overthrow you and and people of your ilk. That's not very much of a strong position to find yourself in. Especially eight months into your presidency. But one thing I did want to mention, I guess we can close on this. Um, I came across at least, you can call it an article um, from 538, where it discusses how Biden compares with past presidents, approval and disapproval. And this is as of day 241 into the presidency for quite a few presidents, going all the way to Harry Truman. And really quickly, I'll just go through this. At this point, day 241, Joe Biden's at 45.7%. Donald Trump's at 389 where he was. Obama was at 53.2%. Biden is at 45.7%. That's the baseline, right? So Obama is above 45.7%. Bush, at this point, also coming off of 9-11, 83.7% W at this point in his presidency. Granted, different circumstances, but literally almost twice the amount of approval rating that Biden has to this point. You had the most mandated of mandates, mm -hmm. most mandatory Bill, mandate. Bill Clinton, we talked about forty-eight point, a yeah, week, a couple of weeks ago. Um, Bill Clinton, forty-eight point three percent to Biden's forty-five point seven. Uh, first Bush, George H.W., and this is coming off of a Reagan presidency, mind you, sixty-nine point five percent. So he's the second lowest approval rating in modern history. So far, it's looking that way. Ronald Reagan was at shit. Ronald Reagan was at sixty point one. I can see that. In nineteen eighty one, Jimmy Carter, even he was at fifty four point three percent. They say he's history's greatest monster, right? Yeah. Gerald Ford thirty five point six, but you're coming off of Watergate, and 
your perception of government in general was probably at its lowest. Nixon, consequently, 60%. Uh, that would be the beginning of, be, I would say, what, uh, September of 69. Lyndon Johnson, 74%, coming off of a, the Kennedy assassination. Uh, JFK, 71.6%. No, no, sorry, 76.1% for JFK. Yeah. But probably, I, I think that was more, hey, we felt more passionate about the guy than anti-Nixon we ran against in 60. Eisenhower, 61.7%, very popular president. And Harry Truman, and this is Harry Truman, 75%. Granted, this is right after World War II, so to be expected. But I say all that to say Biden's in trouble, according to this. But there's still time for him to turn it around. I think that he can do it, but I think for all of the reasons that we mentioned that, that uh, it might not be, it might be a little harder for him to do than we would have liked for it to be when this presidency started. We're only eight months in people. Come on. It can't all hope can't be lost already. It can't be. <laughs> I mean, I'm thinking positive. I'm trying to all hope was lost. Like, 30 actually all hope was lost uh two months before donald trump became president so yeah i mean we can we can be here at this point we're allowed to despair yeah it's been again it's been a long four years things aren't going to change overnight and now you know, for those I, i'm people saying we are allowed to despair question i'm saying well, that's what i'm saying that's what i'm saying well yes months in, we can be like yeah this shit might be over Ah, uh, well, I mean, I guess if you if you if you've been beaten up uh, politically as much as the left has been over the past four years, yeah, I can I can see your point there. Well, we'll see um, if Joe Biden can get over being punch drunk and fight his way out of this. I'm still thinking good thoughts, man. Glass half full. I'm trying here. He, Somebody's got to apparently. We fucking better because if not, we're gonna have a Donald Trump screwed. president in 2024. Which scary. Uh, I, that might be something that we can talk about in a future episode, but now it's a real possibility. I mean, it always was, but again, that's another conversation. Like I said, that's a conversation, another conversation. for another day. Let's close but this one. One thing I will say is that this kind of does open the opportunity for that to be a possibility again. So I will say, I mean, again, it was a possibility from the very beginning, in my opinion. Yeah, but. Uh, so how that's another conversation. It's another conversation. Let's let's wrap this one up. Trump twenty twenty four is a whole other fucking conversation. <laughs> so like I said, that there. that let's that would be there. for another day because we can go. <laughs> we can mind that one for a long time. All right, let's let's uh let's finish out over here. Thank you all for joining us for this conversation on the presidency of one Joe Biden. Uh, as always, I want to thank y'all for getting this far with us. We have been recording remotely. So if there are any sound issues, artifacts, motorcycles, puppies, or anything like that, that you hear in the background, please excuse us. And if you have any complaints about it, you can slide up into our DMS on all of our social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and now TikTok. You can find us at positively cynical. You can also check out the hashtag positively cynical, and you can find just about everything there is positively cynical you can find our podcast and all of our episodes you can find all of our social media platforms definitely slide into 
all the podcast platforms, like, rate, share, and subscribe. Rate us on Apple Podcasts and do the same on all of our social media as well. It's the best way to support your favorite crew. And with that, I guess uh, there's nothing left to say, but uh, we will see y'all later. Peace. See you later.